Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Christian Sager. Hey, Robert, have you ever had like a wart or any kind of, I don't know, just weird growth? Um, yeah, I've had things of that nature. I had uh, some yeah. sort of uh, like an ingrown uh, hair uh, once that uh, went to the dermatologist about and they like sliced it out and stitched yeah. it back up. That's like, I think, pretty common for most people. In fact, like just recently, you know, I'm closing in on 40 and, and just recently I went to the doctor and I had like this weird growth and like, I, I, I'm not going to detail where it was, but it was, you know, the lower quadrant kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, did it have eyes or a mouth? No, no eyes yet. Okay. It, it wasn't there yet, but I was worried about eyes. Mm-hmm. And I said to my doctor, uh, you know, what is this? Do I need to worry? Is it cancer? And he was like, no, that's a skin tag. Those are super common. Don't worry about it. And then he like whipped out liquid nitrogen and right there just froze it off my body ah. and, and burned it off. And, uh, you know, I can imagine just having that one little thing. I was like super freaked out. Of course, like the thought is just, oh, it's cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but today we're going to talk about a disease in which like, we're not just talking about like warts or skin tags here, but like people's entire bodies overgrow with these bark-like lesions to the point that they're referred to as tree men. Yeah, they're, we're kind of talking about some of the, well, certainly rare, but also like worst case um, situations in which you have out of control growth going on with your body and yet you are continuing to live with it. Yeah. And so it's just it's it's actually referred to the, the medical term. And let's take it slowly here. Epidermodysplasia verisiformis. Mm-hmm. And uh, but most people call it tree man disease. Yeah. And we may call it EV uh, yeah. in this episode just to keep it simple, but also maybe not refer to it. Uh, with this more fantastic connotation. And those of you out there have maybe seen pictures of guys like this before. It's not just men, actually. I shouldn't say guys. There have been women who've, who've had the disease as well, but it's incredibly rare, like super rare. So rare, like we couldn't find any statistics on how rare it actually is. Mm-hmm. There's only like three pretty well documented cases, and those are in the last like, I want to say like 20 or 30 years. Uh, and, but what's particularly interesting about this to me, and I want to keep in mind as like we're going forward and talking about this disease, which is fascinating and a medical science curiosity that I think is worthy of the show, but also that like there's a, what I call kind of elephant man syndrome thing going on here with these, with patients of tree man disease. Yeah. Where you get a lot, uh, media outlets just swarm on these people. Um, and in particular, they will take a lot of pictures of them, uh, follow them around. In one case, there was a guy who I think he was, he was, uh, followed by at least two different TV stations. There were multiple documentaries made about him. One of the TV channels, uh, uh, paid for his medical surgeries because there, and we'll talk about it. There's treatment available for people with tree man disease, uh, or EV, but, um, there's also just a weird kind of, yes, this is a medical curiosity, but also like a sideshow Barker kind of gaze to it. Yeah, it is, it is a weird area to get into because, you know, we were, as, as a population, we're kind of drawn to these, these examples. Uh, we, we, we can't look away. There's a, there is a, a definite, uh, grotesque 
quality yeah. to these uh, to these conditions. And you know that, like I say, they're they're they can be nightmaric to to behold. And so we're interested in them. And then also we, you know, everyone loves a story of somebody overcoming a situation. Mm-hmm. Everybody loves a story in which uh, medical science is able to triumph over um you know disfiguration and disease yeah. and so yeah we we want to document these stories we want to see the stories we want to see that before and after uh that you know the marvelous transformation uh but on the other hand yeah there's this exploitive aspect of it as well um, I've been watching that TV show Penny Dreadful lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what that is? It's like yeah, I watched uh, the first season. Of oh, okay, yeah. So there's like you know no spoilers here, but but it's set in the late 19th century, and there's uh, freak shows are sort of a thing that are you know are talked about and and sort of alluded to in the show, especially because some of the you know some of the characters are werewolves and Frankenstein and mm-hmm. and vampires and stuff like that. So there's there's that kind of illusion going on. And they even reference John Merrick at one point. Uh, but it, and it, so it, I guess maybe I'm hypersensitive to it because I'm watching that show and then I was doing the research on this and I was just like, well, uh, yeah, 100, 150 years ago, the only way that these, these guys with EV would have gotten by is by being in some kind of quote unquote freak show, you right. know? Uh, and then, and even then there wouldn't have been any treatment for them. They probably would have succumbed to the, uh, cause or rather the symptoms of the disease. Yeah. It's one of those situations where the, the disease does in fact seem so rare that when, when you look back through different myth cycles, trying to find examples of where it, it might have occurred. And certainly it's possible that cases of, um, of EV occurred and were just misdiagnosed as Maybe, something like yeah. leprosy or some other uh, deformity. But you, you don't, I mean, you see some examples of people turning into trees uh, and then turning into to wood yeah. in myth cycles and, yeah. in, and in, you know, and in literature. I mean, certainly the, the, the example that comes to my mind is the, the, the wood of suicides in Dante's uh, Inferno. Okay. Um, yeah. But, and, uh, and there are a few other cases as well. Like, uh, there's, um, you know, you can look to the, 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 the art of Hieronymus Bosch. Sure. You can yeah. see speaking trees in various, uh, myths. In some strains of Arthurian legend, Merlin is turned into a tree oh, or he's right? imprisoned within a, tr- a tree at, by the okay. Lady of the Lake. It's, but, but for the most part, you, I mean, you have these other examples of petrification occurring in myths, yeah. but not so much like people becoming living trees, which makes me wonder if like, like that just underlines how rare it is that yeah. it didn't even really affect our our folklore. And if it's a modern condition too, because mm-hmm. as we'll discuss, uh, you know, the things that we that make it worse are, are somewhat industrial in nature. But uh, I don't know. I I think of like D and D monsters, like dryads and things like that, or mm-hmm. like. Uh, Tolkien, obviously Tolkien's Ents, right? Yeah. But those aren't even uh, uh, more than a hundred years old. I mean, dryads obviously exist within within myth and fairy tales and things like that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a lot of precedent for this, right? Um, and so that's one of the things that's really fascinating about this condition is whether or not it's brand new or if it's something that's just been hidden away uh, carefully uh, throughout throughout history. But yeah, it's, it's unpleasant. Um, yeah. I guess let's get into like the details of just like what it is exactly. So we're not just kind of talking about the, you know, the, the broad strokes of people who have bark growing off their bodies. So it's a condition in which your body becomes extremely susceptible to the human papillomavirus, uh, otherwise known as HPV. And what happens is you, you know, you take on that 
<clears throat> that virus, it causes branch or bark-like skin growths to develop across your entire body. And in most cases, this is on the hands and feet. Uh, and they're basically malignant skin tumors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm saying, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're trying to picture it and you haven't seen it before, we've posted about it on social. I'm sure that uh, the thumbnail for this episode will have some kind of image that'll uh, give you an idea of what it looks like. There's there's photos of two of the guys we're going to talk about today. But it's it goes beyond just like your skin turning to bark. It's it literally looks like roots are growing out of your hands and feet and just huge growths yeah. to the point where uh, these these people can't uh, function. They can't have jobs. They they must be in pain. I would assume. Yeah, I mean it's it's out of control growth. It looks like it looks like some sort of a molding um, accident with yeah. uh, like a plastic figurine that sort of thing. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, what's also really interesting is some of the research basically, you know, they had come to a point where they were like, well, this is a thing that usually happens to people who are 40 or older. But now most of the examples we're seeing are actually happening to people in the early years of life, which they think is because of a combination of uh, industrialized sort of uh, ecosystems that we live in and working outdoors. Uh, and we'll get to that. But basically, sunlight makes it worse. Yeah, and also renal transplant uh, recipients and uh, immunosuppressed patients have an increased risk of de- developing these lesions that we're talking about here. Yeah, and it's worth mentioning, so the immunosuppression here, too, obviously, you know, it made me think of this, and then it does pop up in the literature, but it's a lot like HIV in the in the sense that the um, a, a lot of the literature compares the lesion growths to the same kind of lesions that some patients who have HIV get. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they, they don't grow as out of control in, in HIV's case. Um, so, okay. It, it, we all hear HPV get thrown around a lot. There's a lot of like anti STD commercials on TV, or at least, at least, at least the TV I'm watching. I get uh-huh. talked to about HPV all the time, but it's worth probably revisiting, I think, right? So, uh, human papillomavirus, this is the kind of thing, it's a sexually transmitted Infection uh, in the U.S. it belongs well, not just in the U.S. Uh, it, it belongs to a family of more than a hundred different strains of virus that can cause warts on your toes and your fingers or all throughout your body. Um, Thirty in particular of these hundred different strains are spread as an STD. Those infections are generally in the genital area, you know, for obvious reasons. And I, yeah, I should mention too that we've we've known about hand plantar um, external uh, anogenital warts since antiquity, but it's only in the uh, last 130 years that we've recognized uh, laryngeal warts and tree man disease, as we're discussing here, mm-hmm. and only since the 60s and 70s that we've made that connection to HPV. Yeah, and what's kind of interesting here is is there's a lot of academic research into this, and it seems like. They've pretty much got it nailed down in terms of like what causes it, why mm-hmm. we why we get it, but that it's so uh, incredibly rare that there aren't a lot of case studies to operate with. Uh, so, th- but with HPV, not with uh, EV, there's no cure, but there's preventative vaccines and physicians can remove the infected tissue, right? Probably the same way like I described with the good old uh, liquid nitrogen. Uh, being broken out. I had a wart on my finger uh, for the longest time, and they did the same thing with that. They broke out the liquid nitrogen, and mm-hmm. then they took like a scalpel and dug out some of the stuff out of there afterwards. Um, yeah, my uh, the thing I had removed was like was right in the middle of my chest. Oh yeah, and uh, like you can't even tell that it was there now, but it was 
it was weird because at the uh, like after I had it, there was the, the I, I had to, to like not swim or do any kind of like yeah. opening exercises. And every time I would even imagine it, I would imagine just like opening just up my ripping chest, open, and yeah. just all my skin falling off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's weird, especially like it's one of those things where it feels like your body is turning against you. And I'm just talking about these kind of like first world little growths that that uh, you know I've experienced, where it's like I can't imagine just like your entire body just growing out of control like this. Well, as you get older, it's like your body changes its priorities where, yeah. you, you know, you're, 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 you're asking the body, you're saying, Hey body, how about healing up this little, uh, you know, elbow injury I sustained? Can we get some, uh, forces working on that? And the body's mm-hmm. like, sorry, gotta grow this nose hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, how does that make I'm sense? Maxed out over here. This is more important. <laughs> Well, you know, if if you don't know a lot about HPV, and I'll be honest, I didn't know a ton about it, mm-hmm. uh, but it's it's actually a pretty common thing. Twenty yeah. million Americans have it. That's why we see these commercials and such. And there's a lot of like health warnings about it. Fifty percent of sexually active people will get it at some point in their lives. Six point two million Americans. That's way more than listen to our show. Uh, but we'll like we'd like to get every person who has HPV to listen to the show. <laughs> Uh, they will get a new infection every year. And here's the thing. Most people who get it don't even know it because they don't necessarily display the symptoms. They don't all get these growths, right? Uh, and in rare cases, pregnant women who have HPV can pass it on to their babies during birth. What often happens in that rare case uh, is the infants will get the growths in their throat or on their voice box. Mm. Um so that sounds unpleasant, but but is it, that's something that's fairly treatable. Like I said, there's a vaccine. Uh, EV or tree man disease is basically like this gone totally haywire. Right. Um, Just like the extreme example. And, a, yeah. and again, we can't emphasize enough how rare this is. So rare that it's only in our modern, uh, it's only with our modern population. Yeah. The greatest population of humans ever. And with our, with our media integration, mm-hmm. uh, that we've been, that, that, that it's something that the average person might be aware of. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one just like last comparison with HPV. So in HPV, the growths are described as appearing as like soft cauliflower shaped lumps. And there's been a strong connection found between HPV, HPV and cervical cancer in women. Mm-hmm. So it is a major health concern. Uh, and we know that smoking and recreational drug use can make it worse because they suppress the immune system. So there you go. That, that kind of ties together with EV, right? In that, uh, there's that suppressed immune system uh, causing the growths to be a little a little out of control. But also, uh, I wouldn't describe the growths with EV as soft cauliflower from what I've seen. Uh, they look like bark. Yeah. It really looks like. And there's a lot of scientific terms that we'll get into for, like, how how the different kinds of growths are defined. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it's something entirely foreign to my experience. Okay, so one article that uh, we turned to in particular that was just sort of like a uh, a general overview of this disease is epidermisplasia verisiformis, colon, an early and unusual presentation uh, by Emson and Kabbaler. And uh, they outline basically like a history of what we know about this disease and sort of where, where we've gotten to with it. Uh, it was first described in 1922 by scientists Lewandowski and Lutz. So sometimes it's called Lewandowski and Lutz, uh, like dysplasia, I think. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so if you're having, like, if you're looking for information about it, I found, like, obviously tree man disease pops up a lot of searches. So does epidermis splasia verisiformis. But uh, there's also different stuff that's titled under the Lewandowski and Lutz uh, heading as well. In 1939, that's when we found out there, there was a relationship between it and high-risk skin cancer. So they kind of put the two together. Uh, EV, the way that it works is that it, there are mutations on two of our genes in uh, the people who get it, ever one and ever two genes. And this is in particular on chromosome, chromosome 17Q25. Now, there was a lot of academic literature on the genetics behind this, but yeah. it went way over my head and I felt like it wouldn't be particularly useful to us or to the audience. Uh, but just know there's a lot out there. If you're, if you know your genetics and you want to learn more about this, there's plenty to be found. Um, what basically from what I could gather is that it causes a defect of cell mediated immunity and this leads the patients to be abnormally susceptible to the HPV. Uh, and in some studies they said that it's specifically HPV 5 and 8 and then sometimes HPV 14, 17, 20 and 47. Those are the ones that tend to cause the bark growths. And these mutations have also been found. There's a lot of research on this, but it was also pretty impenetrable to me uh, with my background. Uh, it's found to inhibit and bo- and complicate zinc distribution in the human body. So that may also have something to do with these weird growths as well. So the bark here is described as an eruption of macules and papules that are wart-like. So I guess this is where like the soft cauliflower aspect of it goes. Like yeah. it may look hard in the pictures, but it's probably you know, wart-like in texture. Yeah, and again, like in the in the research, there was a lot of uh, just really in-depth description of the types of growths mm-hmm. using words that I had no idea what they yeah. were. Uh, so there'll, there'll actually also be other cutaneous lesions that form as well, and maybe some yeah. of these are a bit harder. Uh, and these are similar to what are found on, on AIDS patients, as uh, as we've already mentioned, scaly patches, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Now, these uh, malignancies don't usually manifest until at least 40 years of age, but uh, because of more outdoor occupation and sun exposure, and this is key because we may come back to this with uh, some related conditions, uh, it's now beginning to show in younger people. So cause sun exposure can hasten the transformation especially if the patient is living at a high altitude. Yeah, that seems to be another factor that they're concerned about. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to discuss uh, what we know about the treatment of, uh, of EV. And uh, we may also discuss just a, a few uh, related uh, conditions uh, that in, in involve uh, uh, hardened uh, skin growths. Okay, so we're back. There have been many treatments that have been tried uh, on EV or tree man disease, and I have to be honest that they have either been ineffective or had only temporary results. So we've got oral and topical retinoids that have been used, interferon, immunotherapy, electrodesiccation. That sounds brutal. Yeah, this is uh, uh, basically what this consists of. It's essentially like an electro-cauterizing tool. So you're okay. you're you're destroying the tissue directly, uh, and you're also preventing bleeding from from happening. Okay, uh, that sounds kind yeah. of like what I had with that wart. Like they they scraped it off with a blade, and then they applied the liquid nitrogen like directly to the, like open skin to basically destroy the tissue. Yeah, yeah, it's apparently a pretty common uh, dermatology technique. Okay, and the last one listed here is cryotherapy, which I imagine is 
what I had yeah. uh, with using the liquid nitrogen. Okay. Some of the research indicates, however, that if you apply radiotherapy to this, it may actually cause the malignant transformations of skin lesions. So it makes it worse. Okay. Well, so, that kind of goes in with what we were talking about earlier with the exposure to the sun. Yeah, exactly. And this is what led them to think like, oh, maybe, you know, these people who have this genetic mutation combined with working outdoors uh, it is somehow, you know, uh, causing these to to overgrow when they normally wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most effective thing that they have available right now is surgical treatment. And it's basically doctors going in and excising the growths and then grafting other skin flaps over them as a replacement. Um, and during surgery, these doctors have to be really careful because they don't want to hurt any major nerves or cause any other health issues. But I mean, like, again, like if you've seen the photos of the people who are afflicted with this, it's pretty hard to tell what you would be carving into, you know? I mean, I imagine, like, let's take the hand just as an example, like the structure, the skeletal structure and the, um, uh, you know, blood and, and dermis and all that that's in your hand would be there. But then there's just this massive pounds and pounds of bark-like growths over it. So you've got to take it pretty slowly. Yeah. I mean, in, in a sense, and this is simplifying, you're kind of having to, to carve the original form out yeah. of the extra tissue. Yeah. So we have two examples that we're going to touch on today, and these are relatively recent. They're in the last like 10 years. Um, and from what I could find, other than these two guys, there was like one other person that was a named case study, uh, and he was in Romania. And then a lot of the other research referred to people uh, that they used as case studies, but I imagine that those patients wanted their identities to be anonymous. Mm -hmm. So uh, they didn't use names, but they would say, like, for instance, like one of the um, big case studies looked at a girl who had worked on a farm at a high altitude, uh, worked outdoors, been exposed to a lot of sunlight. She had tree man disease. Uh, and they were able to, they basically walked through, like, here's how uh, it developed, here's how the surgery went with her, yada, yada. But they never named her. The, the, the two big ones that we know of, the first is a guy named Abul Bajandra, and he's in Bangladesh. And he, uh, this is relatively recently, slowly lost his ability to work as these dozens of two to three inch roots grew out of his hand. Uh, and he was a bicycle puller. That was his job, and he had to stop doing it. I imagine that's, uh, from my experiences in Southeast Asia, I imagine that's like when you uh, pull like a tuk-tuk yeah, kind of like a, like a carriage or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so what happened was there was a team of surgeons at Dhaka Medical College Hospital that found out about his condition, and they offered to remove his growths. And the hospital itself waived the costs, but it required multiple operations over time to remove uh, 11 pounds of growths from his hands and feet. And there was a, an interview with his sister, and she said before that just hundreds of people would come and visit his home. Uh, over the years just to witness, quote unquote, the tree man, right? Mm-hmm. So there is a kind of, uh, like mythical sort of, I think, like, uh, supernatural quality to it, you know, that, that people probably are like, Oh, what is this thing? Yeah. I mean, people would just want to know why does this occur? Not only yep. medically, but also teleologically, you know? Yeah. Uh, in, right. in fact, when I was doing some uh, research for this one and trying to find some, uh, 
some additional studies on it. Uh, like I found a blog where where somebody's uh, devoted an entire blog to like disproving Christianity. Oh, and really? this was one of their examples. They were like, "This <laughs> this exists, therefore there can be no God." Um, huh. Which uh, you know, I'm not going to get into the particulars of that argument yeah. uh, because I don't think it's quite as simple as that. <laughs> right. But uh, but certainly, like that's the kind of response people have. Like yeah. you see something like this, and you have. How does this fit into my worldview that this is occurring? Yeah, right. Uh, and then, you know, how does it fit into my worldview that this is how we we treat these people? And this is how these, some of these people end up getting uh, actual treatment for their condition. Yeah. Based on a lot of like the stuff we've covered in the past on the show, especially like thinking about, uh, you know, for instance, the history of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. I could very easily see like something like this happening to somebody uh, in a village. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter where the village is. Uh, and the the people in that society going, oh, they've been cursed. Yeah, like, if I remember... Someone is to blame. Yeah, if I remember correctly, in Britain, one of the big witch-hunting tropes was that the witch would have a familiar. Yeah. Uh, which, right. you know, means, hey, there's a stray cat in that neighborhood, or she owns a cat. <laughs> like, there's yeah. virtually li- little or nothing that you need to, to trump up that charge. But then the additional charge is that, uh, since the, it is some sort of a demonic familiar, uh, she has an extra nipple on her body oh, with yeah. which to feed it. And of course, all you need for that is just like the, the smallest a of, skin tag. Yeah, skin tag or a yeah. wart. And then, yeah, that's all you need. Yeah, totally. To so, yeah, charges. so this kind of thing I could see. And this is this is what's particularly weird to us about this is anytime we've ever covered sort of a medical curiosity like this, there is like a, a lineage, like a trace throughout history of how it's been uh, mythologized or viewed by people. Tree man disease just doesn't seem to pop up. Yeah, not specifically anyway. I mean, certainly there are deformed characters. Yeah. Uh, Throughout mythology and folklore, but but those probably seem like different things. Like you know, we talked yeah. about the elephant man at the top. Clearly, that was a very different condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, th- so there's th- the other guy that's uh, relatively, I guess, famous for uh, having this disease. He was in Indonesia. His name was Dede or Didi Kazwara, uh, and he had 13 pounds or six kilograms of these warts surgically removed from his body. He was operated on at the Hassan Sadiqin Hospital in West Java. Now, here's the thing. Uh, he went through the surgery, surgery process, and uh, even after the surgeries, they just kept returning. You know, it's, it, it, it's there, right? Like, he, he doesn't have the genes for the, uh, to have an immune system that will suppress HPV, so it's just continually going. Yeah, and that's that's heartbreaking to think of. Imagine yeah. just going through this this tremendous surgery to yeah. rid yourself of these growths, and then they come back. Uh, and so this was a guy that was highlighted in a lot of Western media. Uh, he even appeared on our, our old uh, employers, the Discovery Channel. Uh, I believe they had some kind of a documentary or maybe a TV series episode about him. So maybe some of you out there uh, had seen something like that. In fact, when I posted a picture, not of him, but of um, the guy from Bangladesh on on Facebook yesterday, a lot of people said, oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that on TV. I remember seeing this guy. Yeah, and again, it's it's weird. It, it puts me in a weird place to, to see that sort of thing because on one hand, it's great that, say, a, a TV production company is going to pay for yeah. someone like this to get the treatment they need. But on the other hand... You get into that elephant man area, right? Right. Where, to what yeah. extent is this exploitation? Um, yeah. In, in fact, Discovery paid for some of his medical bills uh, for him to have these multiple surgeries mm-hmm. over and over again. 
so yeah, it is, it's a little, I don't know. It feels like there's an ethical quandary there and I don't know where I quite come down on it. Right. So like yeah. thinking about it from our perspective, because obviously we are part of the media. If you're listening to us out there, you know, you're probably going, Hey, Robert and Christian, you guys are, you know, being a little facetious here, but we, we recognize that. Right. But it's sort of like, uh, we wouldn't be able to fully cover and bring to you the information about this disease if those these two cases, Didi Kasara and um, uh, Abu Bajandra, if those weren't thoroughly covered by the media. Right. I mean, that's where I first found out about it and then got the idea, let's dig further into the academic literature. Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't have known about it unless, like, I was a genetics student or something like that. Right, right. yeah. Um, and, and yet at the same time, it's sort of like, uh, it feels a little gross the way that they are, uh, I don't know if exploited is the right word or not, but, but you know, like, so, so I'll give you an example and we may or may not use, uh, these pictures for the thumbnails for the episode, but, uh, I think we'll, at the very least we'll have, you want to use of, one? Well, I think we'll at least have the pictures of the condition on the landing page for the episode. Okay. So yeah. that, you know, you'll so, be able to see so it So you there. can see it there. Uh, in the case of uh Mr. Bajandra uh the photos you know there's something like i don't know in in our stock photo collection like 20 photos of of him at in various angles holding up his hands or holding up his feet or sitting in an awkward position mm-hmm. to showcase his disease and as i was looking at it i was like well this is useful uh because it gives us a visual representation of it but then at the same time like i could just see that this guy was uncomfortable he felt weird about it uh, he didn't quite know what to do with himself, you know, and you could tell like off camera there was somebody who was like, okay, can you, you know, tilt your hand a little bit more this way or whatever. Uh, and he just looks, you know, like a deer in headlights, like he's scared, you yeah. know. Uh, and so that, that that feels weird. But getting back to uh, Kaswara, sorry, I'm probably butchering these names. He very first noticed his condition after he cut his knee when he was a teenager, Hmm. which is interesting to me. Like, I don't know how that connects, especially given like what we know about high altitudes and sunlight and and such. And and, uh, but uh, like maybe the way it it healed, like I'm I'm guessing maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, But it it ultimately led to ruin for him. You know, as these growths grew out of control, he lost his job. His wife left him. He was shunned by his family. Uh, and then, you know, the sad part of this is, is that even after getting all of these surgeries, just recently in the last couple of months, he passed away. Uh, and as far as I can tell, it was a result of complications. I don't know if it was necessarily from EV, but he had complications with hepatitis, liver and gastric disorders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so maybe the, the EV was somehow affecting those or maybe it was just another condition he had entirely. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the, a lot of our fascination with it comes down to the fact that this is kind of an, an extreme and just overtly visual example of what so many of our bodies eventually do. Our yeah. bodies eventually develop problems that mess up our lives mm-hmm. and, and in many cases end our lives. So, you know, we, this is just kind of an, an, an outrageous and arguably monstrous example of a, of, of, a, of a reality that we're all going to face. Yeah, it's especially, uh, you know, like there's there's that kind of old trope, especially in horror literature, which you out there know that Robert and I are fond of, uh, the idea of decaying beauty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, 
especially in Western culture, that like we prize our good looks so much that when they start to fade, we'll do anything to keep them. Yeah. Uh, the old Dorian Gray myth, mm-hmm. right? Our story. It's not really a myth. Oscar Wilde, Oscar Wilde wrote a story. Penny Dreadful again. Dorian Gray's a character. Oh yeah, that. that's right. He does show up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes me think of, uh, I just started reading this comic book that's kind of related. It's called The Beauty and the premise of the comic book is that um there's a there's a sexually transmitted disease called the beauty and if you get it you your body uh basically uh becomes beautiful huh, becomes more sexually attractive like the the side effects the symptoms of the disease make you skinnier make your skin look clearer uh and and so you subsequently subsequently you have people walking around who all look like supermodels uh, in this the world. Downside. Uh it seems like from what i've read so far at least in the first issue uh they spontaneously combust after a while oh well you know that's about how it goes right that might be a problem that's that's how it goes for beautiful people in our world you <laughs> yeah, know you exactly. just uh you go out in a blaze of glory. But yeah, that's where the fascination with this comes from, I mm-hmm. think, right? Like people see this and they go, oh my God, that's my worst nightmare because like I had a mole that I had to have removed. Right. Whereas like, you know, this, these, these poor guys can barely move their hands. They can't operate tools. They can't do their jobs. Their wives leave them, all that stuff. Yeah, it's rough. All right, so at this point, you're probably wondering, well, okay, this is this is one extremely rare condition, but aren't there other conditions that can petrify uh, flesh uh, that indeed may have informed some of these myth cycles that we've alluded to? Well, yes, there are there are several conditions. We're gonna just run through four known conditions that I think are, are good examples of 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 the sort of thing happening elsewhere uh, in the world of uh, disease. First of all, there's fibrodysplasia ossifans progressiva, or FOP, FOP. Uh, we actually have a, a long, detailed article about this at HowStuffWorks.com. Uh, if you just put FOP in there, you will get to it. And this is a Really? St- it's not just pictures of me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, why do you have any history with FOP? Or, you, no, oh, just, or is that the pomade you use in your hair? It's just, yeah, my yeah. FOPish nature. Okay. <laughs> So this uh, condition has nothing to do with the foppish nature or hair jelly. It is uh, an extremely rare connective tissue disease, and it, it involves uh, ossification of fibrous tissue, including muscle, tendon, and ligaments, due, the mu- due to mutation of the body's repair mechanism. Okay, so, so this it, sounds very similar. Yeah, yeah. It's like the body is, like, stuff that is not bone turns yeah. to bone. And yeah. It's a, you know, it's, a, it's a horrible condition, but it's a very real condition. And, and it's yeah. extremely rare, but more common than EV. Right. You know what this is reminding me of from a uh, popular culture, and I don't know if he got if, if he cooked this up from from something or if he just you know made it up off the top of his head. In Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. there's that disease grayscale that they yeah. get. I wonder if that is something from like EV that he uh, m- maybe read about, or maybe maybe from FOP from what we were just maybe talking so. About. I feel like there's like definitely. That leprosy was definitely an, an influence yeah, that makes on that condition. Uh, I'm also reminded of one on the, the show Look Around You. They had a condition called Copples. Oh, I don't know. Where it was, uh, this is a, uh, Look Around You is a show that, uh, some of our listeners might be familiar with. It was a, 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 Brit- a brilliant British satire of educational uh, films. Okay. 
And uh, the, the second season, which was kind of like a kid's weird science kind of show, like that was their their what they were parroting. They and, and they roll out this character who has cobbles, and so he's essentially just a big pile of rocks. Oh, okay. Uh, voiced by one of the actors that went on to to play a part in Little Britain. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, it sounded familiar, and now I think that may be why I've seen it. Yeah. yeah. So may, I don't know. Maybe cobbles was an influence on George R. Co- R. Martin. Cobbles sure. influenced Grayscale, <laughs> and yeah. If I remember correctly from the lore in Game of Thrones, was it like if you're touched by somebody with Grayscale, then you also get Grayscale? I think so. Like. It's okay. pretty easy to contract, yeah, and, and certainly seem to yeah to, to to shadow leprosy. Yeah, okay. So we've got some other ones here. Yes, there's also lipopedian babies or stone babies. Uh, these are formed when a fetus growing outside of the uterus dies. They're too large for reabsorption, so they calcify. This is extremely rare. There are about 300 known cases, and they generally occur with um, uh, ectopic pregnancy. So these are embryo implants that occur. Uh, somewhere other than the uterus. You know what? I feel like I've seen an example of this before. Uh, and I maybe talked about this on the show before. Maybe I just talked to you about it off air. Uh, Mrs. Angemi, have I talked to you about her before? No. She is a pathologist, or maybe she's a pathologist assistant who has an Instagram account of oh. all the stuff that comes through her lab. Oh, okay. And it's fascinating. And she started doing a, a YouTube series, mm-hmm. and someone brought in a fetus in a jar that they had in like a curiosity shop or something like that. And I want to say, I may be misremembering this, but that it had calcified and she was like, Oh, this is the, the stone baby thing. Is this uh, related to the, the, the Muta museum? Uh, you know what? I, cause I, I feel like I read that they have one of these. Yeah, that might be it. I don't think that the, the version that was brought to her was from the Muter museum, okay. but she's in, I want to say she's in New York and Muter's in Philadelphia, right? So they're so. not that far away from one another. Cool. Yeah. There's also a uh, there's also a really good Jezebel article. Uh, oh yeah. About uh, stone babies. Uh, so I have to link to that on the landing page for this episode. Okay. All right. Next, of course, there's and this is another one that light tree man disease has gained a lot of traction with just sort of like ooh look at this picture yeah. uh, sharing on social media and that is cutaneous horns. Oh yeah. So okay. uh, these are unusual, uh, you know, keratin skin tumors. They may look like horns. They may look like wood or even coral, uh, and this in one of the main causes here seems to be radiation exposure to hands or face, especially, or even, they can also emerge from burn wounds. Mm. But certainly, exposure to the sun can play a role in, um, uh, in 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 strengthening the effect. Yeah, I could see those being especially tantalizing in the world of social media, especially um, when we did that article on transdermal implants on how stuff works. That was a huge hit, and that's people giving themselves horns. Yeah. So I imagine if if it's sort of a like. Uh, uh, disease, then it's, it's gonna attract some attention as well. Yeah, indeed. And, and, uh, with, uh, cutaneous horns, you know, the, the treatment is a little simpler and it also mm-hmm. tends to be less of a severe manifestation, you know, it's, mm. uh, so it's, it's easier to deal with, but also rare. And then finally, this, uh, this last example is also thankfully very rare because it concerns, uh, uh, a few individuals of the, uh, of what are known in Japan is the, uh, Hibakusha or the explosion-affected people. Uh, and this is a, individuals who survived the uh, atomic bomb blast uh, at the close of the Second World War. Okay. Um, in particular, uh, some Hiroshima bomb survivors apparently manifested strange uh, rod-shaped black nail growths. So essentially what happened is they, they lost their nails in the yeah. explosion. They were you know, horribly burnt. 
but then out of the the wounds, these black rods grew out, and they they weren't just typical nails because they had active blood vessels inside them. So if they broke, they would bleed. Oh, uh, yeah, it was horrible, horrible situation. So, and like I say, luckily, this is not something that has occurred with the sort of regularity that would allow it to be studied. In yeah, I was almost going to make it. Well, uh, yeah, I, I was going to make a joke and now I'll meta tell you about the joke I was going to make. OK, uh, our colleague, Josh Clark from Stuff You Should Know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he did, like maybe he slammed his fingernail into a door or something like that, but he had a black fingernail for a couple months last year. Huh. And when we were shooting video for series like Brain Stuffer for the Stuff You Should Know video series, all the comments on YouTube, they were just hyper fixated <laughs> on the black fingernail. And well, they, he probably just had, it was like blood. I think that's nail. what yeah. it was, yeah. But you know, Josh, like he didn't want to respond or, or tell anybody what actually happened. So we mm-hmm. would just kind of mess with people after a while. <laughs> and, and, uh, so I was going to say like, oh, well, that black fingernails, that's what Josh has. Turns out it is way worse. That is horrifying. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly if you want more just horrifying, not in turn, only in terms of like this is a horrifying example of what can happen to a human body. But just like this is a horrifying example of where humanity can go. Yeah. Uh, certainly there's some other resources out there on the Internet uh, about the explosion affected people. OK, well, that how do we how do we dig our way out of that? Yeah, that that is hole. really. Yeah, we've we've really given you a, a, a plethora of terrible diseases uh, to listen <laughs> to us talk about uh, and maybe think some more about, uh, uh, you know, after you've listened to the podcast. I am, however, curious because I know a lot of scientists and grad students listen to this show. If there's information out there about any of these things, but in particular about tree man disease or EV mm-hmm. uh, that we missed and that you, you know, you want to make sure that we get out there to our listeners, please write in and tell us about it. Uh, we can share that on a future episode. Yeah. And I would I would also challenge everybody that because pictures like this that go around. Uh, and, and little sort of, you know, shallow news stories about individuals mm-hmm. with uh, deformities or strange medical conditions. These are not going to go away. This is just a part right. of being on the Internet. So I would just challenge everybody that as these examples come up in your Facebook feed or on, you know, your whatever your news service of choice is, uh, you know, Look at yourself a little bit, like do, do a little self-reflection and, you know, ask yourself, well, why am I drawn to this? Why can I not look away? Yeah. What does this say? about the human condition, what does it say about me? And then also, you know, go a little deeper, if possible, uh, if the material presents itself, to find out a little more about who the person is and then what the condition is. Well put, yeah. I mean, that's something that we often try to do because it's work for us, it's our job. Mm -hmm. But so, for instance, like, I'll see a link to something like a tree man photo on, like, the Daily Mail or something like that, right? And that may be like a starting point, but for me, I'm like, well, I want to dig deeper here. I want to find out some more about this. And also, like, what's going on? Why is this something I'm attracted to, right? So like we talked about in, like, our previous episodes about Wicked Problems or also the Cargoism episode that we did, right? Like, there's a little bit more participation that's available to us as citizens now in science, right? Not just as consumers of uh basically, you know, just th- what would be, like, modern day equivalent of a, of a freak show, right? Like, like when you click on that, it's the equivalent of paying a nickel to walk through, uh, and to see the tree man or whatever. Right. And, and maybe give it a little bit more thought than that. And also, you know, what these poor individuals are going through. Indeed. Now on that high note, if you want to (laughs) write to us and tell us some more, uh, maybe you know more about this, maybe you're a geneticist, that would be great. And you understand, uh, all the, the, the scientific jargon that I couldn't penetrate. Let us know. 
the best ways to get in touch with us, first, you can start on social media. We're on um, pretty much all of them. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Tumblr, and we are on Instagram now. Uh, and where else? What's the good old-fashioned way they can reach out to well, us? Well, first of all, of course, there's StuffToBlowYourMind.com. There is indeed. That's where you'll find this podcast, all the other podcasts, blog posts, videos, links to those social media accounts. And uh, also, I've, there is a rumbling that uh, the website will will become updated in the, uh, the months ahead. There's no definite timeline on that, but we're excited about seeing a, a facelift uh, happen there. And then, yeah, the old, old-fashioned way is to just shoot us an email. And you can do that by writing us at... At blow the mind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. I'm <laughs> sorry.